I am unashamed. What about you? All right, so we got Zach back in the house. Uh, welcome, Zach, back to Unashamed. You've been uh, you've been on your little project there for a while. Tell us, tell us what you've been doing. Yeah, I've been in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. We wrapped our first feature film project um, about a week and a half ago. So yeah, it, it was quite the journey. But we are it's in the can. So now we're off to the editing bays and the marketing distribution conversations and all that stuff. So yeah. It Zach, was you're a, you're a movie mogul now. You're, I mean, oh, yeah. like you're making motion pictures. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dad, yeah, we, Dad? We, we've done one. In, I have one independent film <laughs> that has been filmed that has not been released or edited yet. So we might want to hold off on the movie mogul title. <laughs> a little bit longer well for our circle i guess that's the case dad you saw it what, what were what was your hot take on visiting the set well there were so many pieces pieces to the puzzle of making a movie you know to to recreate what was going on in the 60s and well in the 50s 60s, 70s, up until my conversion. Uh, all I'll have to say about the whole thing is, if you if you redundantly look at the verses in the Bible, and to Jason's point, Jesus is coming from Genesis to Malachi. The Gospels are then written by four different men. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is here. But you make sure that if you're going to document that somehow in a movie, that it's crystal clear that the God of heaven has become flesh, died on a cross, been buried and raised from the dead. We say it so much, we uh, sometimes forget that the power is in that. So if you make a movie about it, if if that's the thrust of the movie, Jesus came down in flesh, died, was buried and read. Oh, it will sell. I mean, <laughs> uh, 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 so what kind of logic said, is well, that? You want to get what you're trying to do, get rich and famous. I said I had nothing to do with whoever dreamed this idea. up. I'm just saying if the gospel is put in front of human beings, there is a percentage Always there's a percentage that accept that by faith. Oh, you're saying it'll sell, not monetarily, but spiritually. Spiritually, it, it's a seller. It well, can't, you, can't, good... you can't lose. I mean, if you, well, you it, it's, it's, one man's yeah, conversion, it's a, you say, well, what, what, what's the, how, how was he converted? What converted him? Well, if the thrust is pointed at Jesus, him crucified and raised from the dead, oh, it will sell. I yeah. see it all the time. You're, sort of, you're saying selling from a spiritual standpoint. Most movie moguls, when they hear that, yeah. yeah. They're thinking about money. Yeah. We're not thinking about but money. I, I'm looking at it like, well, you know. You I did ask that. somebody, I said, is there any money in it for the man you're making a movie about? They said, no, not unless it sells. I'm like, okay, just checking. Yeah, that somebody was me. I, I'm the guy I'm, good, that. I'm good where I am, whether I, whether I, I didn't invest a dime in it. So whoever did, I hope they can make enough to make it not so hurtful 
but <laughs> what do you need money for? You don't need money. That's what I'm you saying. You don't need money, Dad. It's like this week, Phil. I, I, I've, I'll share this since we're just getting the band back together. So <laughs> Phil has been catching these Opelousas cat, and I wanted one. And so you sent Dan with the cat in tow. But it, the more I talked with him, it, it seemed like we were doing some kind of drug transaction the, the, the way the talk was oh it's bigger than you actually saw look i'm driving up the hill i have five opelousas cat in the in the boat and i got my truck backed up down there where we baptize all these people so so fruit is coming forth in the way of fish people are converted but it's all the same spot we're, we're running over the same ground but i yeah. looked up and i saw my neighbor he was out on his hands and knees, uh, planting and, you know, hoeing around there with his garden. I said, I said, watch this. So I told Dan, I pulled up there, I said, hey, this is before we got to you and the Opelousas cat. I got yeah. five ops, which is far more than I can eat at a, two or three settings. Pretty good bit of catfish here. Yeah, they so average, I got one. Yeah, they average from about three or four pounds up to about eight or nine, which is the size you want to eat. Yeah. Anyway, I pulled up and there's my neighbor. I said, hey, I said, look in that tub back there in the back of my truck there, Brother Riley. I said, if you want one of them Opelousas, you can have one of them. I'd already cut them on the back where it would bleed them out before I got there where your meat's nice and tender. Your blood drains out of them like a hog, you know. But anyway, he looked in the tub. He said, yeah, I'll take one of them. He said, wait just a minute. <clears throat> he goes back over to his garden, and he handed me a substantial amount of fresh squash, cucumbers, mm. and fresh onions right out of the ground. So that's a good trade. That's exactly what I said. I said, yeah. good trade. So I got veggies out of another one of the ops, and he went to Riley. I got up there where we were to clean the fish, I said, I'll tell you what, Jay said he wanted to up. I said, Dan, I'm going to clean this fish up, and I'll cut him up ready to fry. I said, I may leave the belly meat, let him strip them. Some of them like a little thicker. No, you it. did, which was fine. Yeah. So I just but said, what's funny is the way Dan. So I dressed the cat and said, take that to Jay's. So one neighbor has helped over here, trade for onions and whatnot. That's a good trade. Sent them to you. <laughs> and Dan said, when you, when you saw that they were dressed, your first thought was, huh, he even cut them up for me, ready to fry. I reached in my pocket. Yeah, he reached in his pocket and got a billfold. Old Dan was watching, though. He said, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he said, for that, I'll give you a crisp. And he said, there was a pile. Whoops. And, <laughs> and you come up with a 20. He said, you had thumb fast a $100 no, bill. No, no. I said, well, that's not true. Sounded better than nothing. I didn't have my wallet. I'll give you a crisp. Whoa, no, whoa. No, no. no. I said, the stock market's down. <laughs> He's in a bind. Why, why is that so funny? No, I, I didn't. didn't need the money, but if you were going to give See, it. That's the way stories get blown out of proportion. I didn't the have it. Said it was a, it was a, come to Jesus, Mama. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, I didn't have my wallet. I reached in my pocket, and the only thing I had in my pocket was a twenty dollar bill. So I gave it. It's like Missy's rule: when she gives cash to any church or charity function, she has a rule that she gives the biggest dollar amount that she has, at least that. 
So if she thumbs through there and there's a hundred, she'll give the hundred, which I would have done. So I would thought to myself, I'm gonna go her rule. Whatever's in my pocket, I'm giving the biggest amount. Unfortunately for him, it was a twenty, which is not a bad thing. You got twenty dollars. Twenty bucks. Yeah. That's just for, Infl- for, for inflation. Inflation is not quite what it was. Or for being the mule. I thought twenty yeah, bucks is pretty good. But what's so funny is the way he was acting. It was real. It was shrouded in secrecy. <laughs> it was like it. We were making an illegal transaction. Yeah. Oh, and look, it was. It was this here. It's a great thing that they're so flavorful and good to eat. I mean, this is beyond drug peddling. This is this is good trade. Well, what's here. funny is that later on that night, I get a text. Veggies from- are coming in. A little money coming in off of it. Uh, <laughs> we I then met yesterday with the uh, with the brothers. And there were quite a few visitors, and I started in Matthew when Jesus started over, actually Genesis 3.15, kind of brought the story together about who is Jesus, where did he come from? So I gave him the background of Jesus. <laughs> then about his death, burial, and resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can't miss it. It's but right you just gave us. Yeah, and yeah. what happened? So we all, they're just a, somebody said, well, we want to be baptized in the river. I said, in the river. I said, well. I said, I'll tell you what. How far were you away from the river? How many of you want to be baptized and be born again of water and the Spirit this morning? And uh, quite a few raised their hand. I said, I'll tell you what. Get behind that blue truck when I leave here. Let's go to the river. (laughs) So I looked back behind me in my rearview mirror when everybody got in a line. And we came out of town. And it was a long line of vehicles, you know, eight, nine, ten vehicles. It's like a funeral procession. Yeah. And we come down there, and I and it I it was a funeral procession. Well, that's what I mean. The, money, old, the old man spiritually speaking of putting money, putting them to death. It was all free of charge. I don't charge anybody to preach the gospel <laughs> up there or anything. So there's no money going my way. But I got down there, and I was wet from head to toe. I forgot and left my earplugs hanging around my neck and under my shirt. I dunked them. Well, you're now, leaving out huge chunks now of my the earplugs, story. My, <laughs> my seven thousand dollar earplugs. I got water in them. I said, "Well, it was worth well, it." Well, let's so, let's let's. By let's the re- way, I did see on a table. <laughs> what are somebody, we somebody out of the crowd. I looked down there, and I thought about them Avalucha's cat. I said, "Jace gave me twenty dollars." <laughs> I gave the mule twenty dollars. I said, I said, here. I looked down on the table. I was taking my wet clothes off, and I said, "Well, what? What do you know? Somebody in the crowd had did put a crisp one hundred dollar bill on the table. I don't know why they did it, but just a gift, I guess. And I thought, well, they left so, so twenty dollars on the fish, hundred dollars on the on the on the new births." We got people going to heaven and they're paying a hundred bucks. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of somebody tipping they the baptized. Tipping the, the baptized. I'd have said, "Wait a minute, somebody, you left that hundred. I said, "I don't think it fell out of the billfold." I said, "But no, hundreds don't fall out of the billfold." That's you, what I'm saying. So I was room. looking at the money factor. If people don't realize, you do the work of God, and somehow or another, you're blessed. I yeah. just accept the blessings and. So let's back up. Tears were Fail. shed. Uh, <laughs> to where? What are we backing up to? It's, wow, backing like up. A, he said we were it's all like leaving. A, it's like a, it's like a, a record. This skipping along. Yeah, this you, is, you left in a funeral procession. So how many? Oh, I was wondering how many people were baptized. Is all I was wondering. How I many? It was about ten. Oh, so ten of them. So let me get this right. So y'all met. They were from uh, various states. The further states, I noticed. 
uh, a guy, I said, where are you from? And he said, when he, when he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow you down the river. I said, well, good. I said, you got your woman with you? He said, yeah. I said, can she cook? He said, she's an awesome cook. I said, well, I know you're from Maryland, and you're the only person I've ever seen from Maryland. I've never met anybody. So from people came from Maryland. They came to y'all's, Maryland, y'all's gathering. Maryland, Texas, uh, wherever, you know, and we all came together. And uh, there How were, did they know? Prong. There were a lot of tears and, okay. a, and a lot of rejoicing during the whole process. Well, I had a guy that was supposed to come, We, uh, my one of my buddies, Murray. We baptized him. Oh, he was there. He was there. Oh, that makes me happy. You know why? And by the way, I've never seen a person. Well, I've seen a lot of them through the years, but but he was as, uh, what's the word, animated as you can get over, I mean, he was. Over going in the water? Oh, he was was shaking and trembling. And and I was was really felt for him because (laughs) for for him, we're standing in the water out there, but you know, where the ops just came from. And yeah, that is I'm looking great. at the fruit of presenting the gospel. So whether it be fish, you know, we, we, or whether it be human beings, their life changes forever. He was one of the most uh, convicted people I've ever run up on. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Murray, what, Murray was there. Well, what I was going to say is... Murray followed the troop in. He, he was, I looked up, I said, well, there's old Murray. I think this guy was working on his air conditioner, and he noticed his treasure finds and metal detectors, and he's like, well, you need to go, and so we've got this place lined up, and, and so Murray called me about it. He said, but he was asking me about Jesus' question, so I think I'm going to take him to Phil's, and I was like, well, I like where this is going. Let's get him yep. in, and then, then we're brothers, perhaps, and now that um, the the treasure hunt may take place. He is uh, less than 24 hours old. He's been born again. And uh, I would say that uh, just based on his reaction to it, it was a very heartfelt decision for him. It's a heartfelt decision for anybody. It reminds me of all the bedrock we study when these texts, when you actually see them live happening, what these words are saying in Colossians, you looked over at spiritual circumcision is fixing to take place out here. I'm looking at the Bible verses. Most of them were just listening to the message itself. So, so we keep it simple, and we just point them to Jesus, and we keep moving. Let's take a break. So, uh, Zach, this inflation is crazy, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's, we hadn't seen anything like this in, really in our lifetimes, or, or maybe when I was a young person back in the 70s. Uh, it's been crazy. And uh, your paper money is, is getting worth less and less. And so we've got a new sponsor that we're really excited about. It's a company called Bullion Max. And it's a direct-to-customer precious metals retailer. And they're going to help you diversify and have some gold and silver, which is kind of a hedge against inflation uh, for your family. So it's a, it's a great product. The, what's so great about it is you can order it online. Nobody's hassling you. It's easy to get. It's easy to get to you. Uh, some of the lowest prices on the Internet, and they make it super easy by coming straight to you. So you're going to get Bouillon Max's Silver Starter Kit, and you're going to get that at employee pricing just because you're a listener of our podcast. So go to Bouillon, B-U-L-L-I-O-N, Max, M-A-X, dot com slash unashamed. And this kit is going to include five of the most desirable silver products to invest in. 
including, uh, and Jason will love this, a silver American Eagle and a silver Australian Kangaroo. So the offer is limited to just one per household. So go now, bouillonmax.com slash unashamed. Yeah, so I mean, uh, who? What? There was a family from South Louisiana too, or from Dry Prong, or somewhere. A mom was telling me about that. That was last week. Oh, okay. That yeah. was last week. But some of these people might have been. I, I didn't get quite where everybody lived. Some were over there, ten miles south of where I was raised at Dixie, Dixie, Louisiana, a little town. But uh, ten miles south of there is Bozier City. There was a guy there. He's in law enforcement. Uh, uh, he and his wife walked out into the water. Both I baptized both of them, but uh, he was another one that uh, he said this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Well, that's quite he a story. He talked about well, being in law enforcement for twenty five years, and really he's been in some serious. Well, now he's in grace enforcement. That's right. There you go. I like it. <laughs> you bet you. A little like cheesy, like but it. true. A little cheesy, but true. Great guy. Great so, heart. Uh, I was, I was really, I was moved by the whole thing, you know, and I kind of liked the idea. They came up with the river baptism. I usually try to make it easier on us just by, we had a pool of water up there. I think it's good. I mean. But driving to well, the river a, was a, was a good thing. It's a thing. humbling thing. It's a humbling thing. Very there. humbling. When you, you get, when you get to witness people that are, you know, they're making the most important decision of their lives to totally submit to Christ. And you know to be fully all in. So, I've I've thought about it many many times. I mean, how many times we've led somebody into you know a pool somewhere? Oh yeah. When that ultimate act of submission, it's a it's a humbling thing. And I mean, that it's particular a particular spot. When I walked down there with them, I told them, I said, I said, what would y'all say if I told you that where you're standing, thousands have come here through the years over the last thirty forty years. I said they come at this spot. I said. And they've walked out in the water just like y'all, you know, and pretty well everybody cried. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a movement by the Almighty. And I tell you what, it, it did me good just to see them, the fruit, the fruit of the gospel. But you know, Dad, I had the same sort of emotion when we went over and visited the movie set where Zach was set up. Whenever I thought about, you know, First of all, how many people in the history of the planet have had a movie made about their life? Not many. And they were either really, really great or really terrible if they had a movie made about them. And so that was one thing that struck me. And the second thing was, I mean, it just so happened the way this worked out. The movie is being filmed in the place where you and mom dated in Shreveport. That's right. I mean, it's literally just a few miles from where you both were born and grew up. So yep. I don't know. It's just a. It kind of was humbling to me. Just that whole idea too that like this life we live is has been amazing, and even now getting to basically capture your conversion and what it took to get you there. That's a that's a humbling thing. I if mean, the really, United kind of goes into that. If the United States of America had taken the time, or could somehow have been transported to see what went down there yesterday from sharing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. And you show them what Jesus said, what he did, what he's now doing, what he will do. Your past sins are gone. Most of the time, 
when people hear my past sins are all gone right here, washed away by the blood of Jesus. You're, you're dying to sin. You're being buried, the old you, and the new you, spirit-filled, is coming out of this bayou down here, this river down here. I don't know. There's just something about that. If the, America could have seen it, I think we'd still be there baptizing them. If they would just stop and listen to what's happened on their behalf. I think the, the whole bunch can be converted. So I'm looking at it. I hear in the political angle and all of that crap. But you said when you get right down to it, it's a spiritual fix. And it winds up on the bank of some river in the middle of nowhere down in here. And it, it, that's, the, that's the apex of it all. That's, that's what it's all about. So I'm, uh, I, was, I, I slept well last night just thinking about some of the guys, you know, and the gals, you know. So. Well, you know, it's interesting because you did the – Zach helped write the movie Torchbearer that you did, a documentary. Yep. And the whole thing was about the – Same the spot, rise by of, the way, Torchbearer. Right. That's Same what I was spot. thinking. It, and, and it wasn't planned, was it, Zach, to have the movie end with that way? And yet that's where y'all – decided to end the movie was down there at that same spot baptizing people yeah yeah uh it was kind of cool how that happened um which that film was interesting because um of course you know i I didn't write all of it i I wrote a chunk of it um and it was interesting that just the how difficult even it was with the director for me to be able to show that like what phil just said it's not a political fix and he kept thinking political because it was, you know, it was he, he. That's what he was in was politics, and the whole time, you know, we had a lot of discussion, argument about the what is the foundation for the whole thing. It's not, it's not a political fix. In fact, the movie was called Torchbearer, but do, I don't know if you guys remember this or not. But I, I was pushing really, 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 really hard for the movie to have another name, and that was called Image Bearer, or actually, actually, I think it was Amago Day, which is which means image bearer that were made in God's image. And that really is the foundation of, of the whole thing is, is, is what, what does it mean to be human? And, and uh, you know, we would argue as, as believers that what it means primarily to be a human is you're made in God's image. You're made to reflect his glory and to worship him. And so at the core of your being is that's what you are. And I think all these people that Phil's dealing with and even Phil's story, for example, um, I think we did something with this movie that the one we just filmed in Shreveport uh, that was unique in that. We really tried to show uh, how, you know, all behavior is explainable in its context. And for Phil and even, even Kay as well, I mean, they, they had pretty rough childhoods. If you really go back and examine that both of them were raised by uh, mentally ill mothers. And I love and I love my grandma. We all love granny. But I mean, it was tough, you know, that she she had some episodes and um, just being raised in, in for Phil in deep poverty in the South and just all of that had that, that came with it. And so for Phil, it was kind of this escape. Uh, but you know what brought him back in the end was when he had that realization and that conversation. It was, it was a lot of things, but one of the main parts of the movie is he has a conversation with a pastor named Bill Smith, who, who we all love dearly and was a mentor to a lot of us, who basically showed him who he was. You know, He said, here's, here's what God's done for you, and here's who God is, and here's who you are in him. And that really is kind of the, the, the crux of the film, no pun intended, but um. Um, I think it's going to be powerful for people to come see it. And I think unashamed audience is going to be those of you right now that are listening to this podcast. It's going to be you guys that get the help us get this thing 
in theaters. It's going to take some effort. You know, I, I do believe the enemy doesn't want this film to be shown. No so way. it's going to take an army of, of, of you guys to, to help us get this out there. By the way, uh, here's a shameless plug. If you want information on the blind, I don't, we don't have like a, a rallying place yet, but you could, uh, we will be releasing information on how you can help out. If you just go to a uh, Phil Robertson dot, uh, That's Phil Robertson If you subscribe to Phil's Substack, which is like his email list, we're going to be putting a lot of information out there. So I would encourage anybody that believes in like Phil's ministry and his story. This is not just Phil, but the whole family. Um, man, we're going to need all hands on deck to get this story told. And I think that it's going to be really, really, really moving and, and profound for a lot of people. Let's, uh, let's take another break. So one of my favorite sponsors um, is a group called um, Faithful Counseling. And the reason they're one of my favorites is because I have been both a one who counsels others, and, and Zach, you and Dad and Jace have all done that as well. Uh, but I've also been the recipient uh, of uh, the guidance of a great counselor. And I know what a difference it can make in your life. And I always say that a counselor is just a guide. You know, you've got to want to do something different or, you know, have a different place in your relationship. So we know there may be uh, folks out there. I know that there's folks in our audience that are maybe struggling in your marriage and, you know, maybe some family relationship. And uh, this is a group that can really help you. Faithful counseling is what they're called. It's safe. It's secure. It's convenient. Uh, they have over 3,000 licensed therapists across the 50 states. You can text, chat, phone, video, and you can start that communication in less than 24 hours. So you can really get the help you need fast. It's also faith-based and affordable, which is the most important thing uh, to have a faith basis. So if you uh, have a need, uh, go to our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. It's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire. They're going to help assess your needs, and then they're going to match you with a counselor that you're going to love. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. Get the help you need today. Yeah, Zach, you told me you spent more time probably with the uh, the actor that was playing Bill Smith because that was such a pivotal role in the movie because that was the life changer uh, you know, for dad to get that right, you know, in, in terms of how that goes. And so I think that's really interesting. So yeah, I want to encourage Unashamed Nation. You guys will be the the ones that help us get it out there. And hopefully um, we'll reach a lot of people. Like dad says, the gospel, the power is in the message. So it's always going to impact people. And I know just from what Zach's told, I hadn't seen any bit of the movie, but I know from what he's told me, um, I think I think people will come to Christ because of it. So Well, let me, let me say this. We, we uh we're going to be releasing a lot of promotional stuff and behind the scenes footage kind of thing. Interviews. I've interviewed every, I'm going to, I will have interviewed every, everybody in the family, hopefully by the end of June, just about the story, interviewed all the cast, all the directors, all that. And you know, it's funny the the, the two words that everybody, and you got to keep in mind, this is a story um, about a man's journey and a woman's journey to, uh, to, to find healing through, through Christ. But, it doesn't look like a Christian film. Okay. I'm just being, I mean, I mean, it, it, it is, I mean, it's, it's real, it's raw. Uh, you know, if you look at like a biblical arc in terms of how the biblical story is laid out, it's creation. God made everything very good. Fall man fell and sinned. Uh, redemption that God offers redemption and then restoration. And God restores us back progressively back to our original position in the garden. But one of the areas I think we've done a poor job on as, as Christians is, is telling the story of the fall so we show, you know, with 
we have to use some nuance here, but we do really show uh, Phil in his worst moment. And Phil, if you've been around Phil and talked about this story at all, you've heard him say the same phrase. I've heard him say it a hundred times. And he says, I'm embarrassed. Uh, and I get that. It's, I mean, this was for, for you, Phil. This was like, it's risky to put your, your, your stuff out there like that. But, but he's embarrassed because of who he was, but he's proud of who he is in Christ. And so we show the fall, but we show the beauty of, of the gospel in this. And here's the two words that every single person that we interviewed said about this, or three words, that, uh, sorry, that uh, every person I interviewed, I said, this, they give us three words that you can describe this movie. Gritty, honest, and hope. And I thought that was pretty profound, that the film is gritty, it's honest, and there's hope. And I think that that would probably define a lot of people who, you know, watch and listen to the Unashamed podcast. We're in Colossians right now, but but just just look at this. And I, I highlighted each time it mentioned it. And I was simply amazed. The little book of Philippians right before Colossians, before you get into that one, the Apostle Paul starting saying, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, and I went it from a heathen to doing the work of the Lord, you'll carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, till he returned. So first of all, he mentions partnership in the gospel. Down just a little bit, this is Philippians chapter 1, about verse 7 or 8 in there. I'm in chains. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So they got him locked up and he's been chained to some post. And he's talking about what a wonderful thing that the Philippians are partners with him. They defending the gospel. They're confirming the gospel. You drop down a little further, Philippians 1.12, by the time you get just 12 verses in. I want you to know, brothers, what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. They got me in jail down here, but... Boy, we are got this gospel going now. So partnership, defending the gospel, confirming the gospel, advancing the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. I'm in this prison down here and I've got the message because they locked me up. Now I'm trying to convert them, but it's going well. Talks a little bit, you know, there's a certain bunch there. Their, their motives are off so of the gospel. So he mentions that. Way down there in verse 127, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you, I'll know you stand firm in one spirit. Now it's contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Well, just fast forward to modern day America and we're trying to get them to see, hey, Politics can help or hurt, but, but really, in the grand scheme of things, the gospel is the centerpiece of why people love God and love their neighbor, which is solely needed. I shall say again, politics alone, Al, it's not going to do it. You've got to have power to get past the evil one and all of what he throws at you. So, And it comes in a simple message faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, new birth, and they move on. Colossians by the gets to being one in spirit and purpose. 
Then the spiritual circumcision. Don't let all these people get to lead you astray. The hollow and deceptive philosophy. Don't get tangled up in all that. So if you just look at it over and over and over and over and over, the same story is highlighted and is the bedrock of eternity. The gospel of Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, his death for us, removing our sin, delivering us from Satan, removing our guilt, redeeming us and getting us out from law and putting us under grace. And then finally, immortality guaranteed by the resurrection. So it's 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 the most powerful story ever told. But to Zach's point, it really has to begin with authenticity. A person has to look at their own lives and realize they can't do it. Yep. And so it always starts there. I mean, rags, I, I'm not a from rags to riches, Al. That's exactly right. And and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, physical riches. That's I mean, right. It's, it's the whole thing. I thought about that when you read that about the partnership yesterday at WFR. We had a, a man from Ghana who is uh, has a, is the head of a Bible college over there, which has produced a lot of African missionaries. And he was preaching at WFR Maine yesterday. And I just, you know, he's one of the best men I've ever met. An amazing man of God. And uh, in, a, in a country that, you know, Ghana's pretty good shape for Africa. But, I mean, you know, they just don't have much in terms of physical stuff. And yet this man is the most, one of the most spiritually rich people that I know. And yep. I just thought about, you know, we got guys like that who we partner with around the world yep. to get the gospel out. It's incredible. It's what, what, what an opportunity for all of us, you know, you for bet. these people, which is really powerful. So let's, uh, let's take another break. Politics comes and goes, Al, but the but the Word of God lives on forever. It does. And we're at the place in Colossians 2, as you mentioned, Dad, that um, what I kind of call now the core message, we, we kind of set this thing up with his intro and, and basically his that prayer early on. And then he kind of set up what he was going to talk about and his concern for the churches. And as Jace has talked about, it wasn't just the church at Colossae, but it was also Laodicea um, and Hierapolis as well, because there's three different cities that are nearby, but he's kind of going to get into the core message. And I have to say, in terms of sermons, um, this is a, one of the best in the entire Bible. Would you agree, Jace? You're this talking next... about Colossians? Yeah, Colossians 2. Oh, yeah. The rest of... No doubt. Well, he kind of gets to the point, because, and he's being positive, because he we, we bring up these ideas of where was this all coming from, like chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Then he's going to reiterate in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. Then he, he says the same thing in verse in verse 22 of chapter 2. He's like, these are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with self-imposed worship, false humility, and harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. <clears throat> So some people had come in the church. Remember, we did, I think, last podcast to get Zach caught up. When you read the 
letter in Revelation to Laodicea, and that's the famous one that says, I wish you were either hot or cold. And we talked about the different uses of water in that region in the three cities. And here you had lukewarm in Laodicea, and he was like that that made him sick. And then there's this famous altar call verse that was Jesus knocking on the door saying, let me in. And we made a point that he was actually knocking on the door of the church. Never want to be in that situation, which feels the same way at Colossae here, because he's talking about talking to believers and some people had infiltrated the camp and they were trying to promote. And this phrase that says basic principles of the world, I mean, it's it's translated different ways. And I looked at that last night. Uh, Elements of the world. Uh, can't even read my writing here. Worldly sanctuary. It's it's, and basically what I came up with in all from the Greek and the translations, is that you're putting your faith and trust in earthly rituals, instead yep. of Jesus. Yep. So when you think about what is an earthly ritual, it's rampant across the political. I mean the the spiritual. Uh, apparatus it's rampant yeah well you don't want to have you don't want to have a, your religion look like an earthly ritual that's based yep. on <clears throat> earthly physical treasure yeah i mean that's why when he said this this about jesus is hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge well that kind of flies in the face of what we think of as far as pleasure and profit on the earth if you know we think if you have a lot of money well the lord has blessed you you must be doing something right but if your your total goal is to amass some kind of earthly gain that's why when you were talking about that movie talking about it'll sell I knew what you were talking about. You were talking about make a bunch of money. But most people, when they hear that, oh, that money was successful, that may, I mean, the movie was successful, that means it made a bunch of money. Yeah, not hardly. Well, I think, I think in, in the Colossians 2, the way he sets up this argument, mm-hmm. uh, which, by the way, I think Al, this is, uh, this is one of the biggest, biggest chunks in the whole New Testament, in my opinion, of just like, theological richness and and uh so i've camped out in this passage a lot over the last 20 years but um the way i've always kind of interpreted it is that you have this juxtaposition that's going on in uh, colossians 2 8 through 15 that he then kind of clarifies and gives more clarity to in, in verse 16 through the rest of the chapter but but the juxtaposition is this it's that you know, on one side you have uh, the traditions or the or, or the uh, captive and hollow philosophy, which I think uh, y'all's translation says, which depend on um, what was it? The empty and hollow philosophies, which depend human on traditions. Yeah, human traditions and yeah, basic I, principles of the world. Yeah, it says deceptive yeah, so, uh, and hollow philosophy. Yeah, so I think about it from like a philosophical standpoint. It's not just the traditions; it's the philosophies that undergird those traditions. And, and uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, so we can look back at different cultures from you know five hundred years ago, or even 
in this period of time, you know, 2,000 years ago and say, man, how stupid could these people be to literally worship, you know, little statues that they made? Well, we're going to look, someone's going to look back on our culture at the philosophies that are prevailing today and they're going to be like, wait, wait, y'all believe what? Like that, that, that culture, they actually believe that that was, that that's, that's how they viewed the world. And they're going to look back at, at that and, and, and think how ridiculous we are that we believe that. So that's like one side of it is the human uh, constructive philosophies, which I think that the way you look at it is this, any philosophy that begins with us is a flawed philosophy. It's called humanism and humanism <laughs> yeah. uh, will not stand on its own. And then when he switches in verse nine, or actually the, 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 at the end of verse eight, he says that this is what people are latching onto, rather than that according to Christ. For in listen to all the in hymns. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In other words, in Christ, all the fullness of the God of the cosmos, who spoke the universe into existence, dwells in bodily form he's in a body which that right there just that one verse we could spend six months on and never really scratch the surface of the of the brevity of the fact that the god of the cosmos dwelt in a in a body that's ridiculous right but it's in him in jesus in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in him you've been made complete it is he that is the head over all rule and authority it is in him that you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body, but the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven all of us our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. The operative word there is him. Exactly. <laughs> it's like on one Not side us. it's us, the other side it's him. It's crazy. Hang, hang on, Jess. Hang on, Jess. Let's take our last break. Yeah, I had the same thought, and that's where I was going. But I'm just going from a different perspective. But if you back up in Colossians 1.15, which we said is this time out, here's the fix to any group of people, especially in the name of religion. And he goes through these 12 things that Jesus represents. He's, he is the image of the invisible God for by him, all things were created. So, and we went through that, but he gets to the end and he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Well, that's where we came. And I was going to go down the same path because when you think about what the church is, you know, the Greek word is ekklesia, which means what? Do y'all know off the top of your head? It's the called, the called out. The called out. Yep. So, exactly is what it means. So he calls us. And if I just read a couple verses about that for our listeners, you got 2 Thessalonians 2. 
it says he chose us before the beginning of time to be saved. So he knew, going back to Zach's earlier point, that we're all made in the image of God for a purpose, for a forever purpose. But verse 14 of, of 2 Thessalonians 2, 14 says, He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another one is Ephesians 4. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. As a prisoner of the Lord, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So he, he calls us through the gospel. And he goes on to say uh, in chapter 4, 4, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism and she you say well, what's your point <clears throat> my point is it's like i remember when i was called it 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 didn't seem that way i thought you know i think i'm gonna look into this religion i'm gonna do some studying i'm, I'm gonna see if there's any truth to this but at some point in there i realized Oh, wait, this is not about me trying to figure it out. God's calling me. And I think that's the the adventure of this whole thing, of the experience, is making that transition is really the key moment. Because you talked about this movie being uh, honest and being gritty. Well, that's all what we're called from by yeah. God. But he also calls us to something. So that's why when you read and when we get to chapter three, he's going to say, you know, put off the old self and put on the new because he called us out of something into something, which is goes yep. to the the end. So that's why when you when you start interjecting yourself into human commands and traditions or this is what we're going to do or this program and you miss the whole point here yep. that the that's why I, I centered it around the adventure when you realize that God is pursuing you and he did it through coming to earth and living a perfect life and dying on a cross, that's why in John 12 where it says he would draw them into himself, meaning the manner of death that he chose to die, that, that calls us. And the empty grave calls us. We're like, oh, wait a minute. He, he has a plan and, and a purpose for us. And then so what do we do after that? He makes the call through us, which is why he said the mystery of godliness is that Christ is in you. So when you tell the story about people being baptized and us doing the spiritual funeral procession, you know, y'all had everything but the flashing lights. But really, that's what it was. Yep, It was right. a spiritual journey that they're driving down. And, and people that misunderstand baptism, that's what they miss. You're, you're basically giving up and realizing that God is calling you. That's what being a part of the church is. You've been called out from your decision-making process, and now you're surrendering in the physical act, but the spiritual regeneration, you know, Christ cutting off your sinful self, now puts you up in a position. So I said all that to read this one verse. I love the way this is said in Colossians 2, and I'm skipping ahead, but I just want to highlight this, this passage. In verse 13, right after you reenact the death, burial, and resurrection, and Jesus cuts off your sinful self through faith and the power of God, 
When you were dead, 2.13, in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, I like this phrase, God made you alive with Christ. Now there's a moment. You die and God made you alive on the earth in this moment. That's why there were so many tears. That's why this is an adventure. That's why this is exciting. And I and I, I agree, Jason. I, and I love the way that he uses circumcision, which was a physical sign that yes. was implemented in Genesis 17. But now he says, in a spiritual way, this is what happens. It's the cutting away. The idea about this is what makes you new. But but this is eternal. It's not just a physical sign anymore. This is an eternal sign. But I was thinking about how when to Zach's point that everything was based in Christ. But you think about it, how fragile anything else is. Like you look at our country, it was founded as a a constitutional Republic. I mean, nobody's ever had an idea that was had to have a country like we have. And, you know, for a while it seemed great, but look in just a couple hundred years at how fragile it is. You got, I was thinking about this thing. We talked about statues a minute ago, you know, statues were representative of people that had great accomplishments and still someone erected that and said, you know, we want to remember this person. All it takes is a philosophy change. And then people will go out, they'll put ropes around it and they'll yank every one of them down because now it's like, we don't believe in that anymore, whatever the the idea was. But if you're thinking about it from an earthly standpoint, look at how fragile the idea is. That's why you have to have something way bigger than than your idea of government or whatever it is about an earthly human tradition, because we've seen that happen in a pretty short period of time right here in good old USA. Right? There's a there's a mighty throng, and they don't even know, and they teach they teach others that you can never even tell at all whether you're a man or a woman. You just yeah. don't know. You just simple I, question. I, I'm what's, gender, what's a woman? I'm gender neutral, meaning I don't know whether I'm a man or a woman. But uh, but I've got it all together, and you need to listen to me. I mean, it's it's amazing. Which which is which is one of those philosophies that we're going to look back on, or or people after us will look back on this moment, this cultural moment, and and they're going to say, wait, what? Yeah, you, you denied bio, biological reality and pretended like that was real, and, and that was actually a thing that people bought into. And uh, you know we're, we're, that, that's how it's going to go down in, in, in history. Although but I think cl- that although they claimed to be wise, Paul told the Romans they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. Surely they won't get and go down the road on that hollow and deceptive philosophy. You don't need to know whether you're a man or a woman. Just get out there and have at it. Sexual immorality always is at the top of the list, and America is drowning in it. I think one of the um, areas when I was thinking about this passage here, I had this idea. I I was talking to a a guy that wanted me to do some animation projects with him that were like these little short apologetic clips of explaining concepts in animation form. And I thought about this passage because I was thinking about like, this cartoon character and he's got a shovel in his hand and, and, and he, he's trying to make meaning of the world. And, and every time he does, he takes a scoop out of himself to, to begin with himself into how to interpret the world. 
And eventually what happens is he looks like Swiss cheese because he's having to dig out of himself whatever the basis is for how he comes to the knowledge of the world. And the, and the point is, is that if you begin with yourself, like we're all finite creatures. So if we begin with a finite creature to make meaning of the vast universe, we're, we're going to run out of, of, of a of basis, if that makes any sense. That's why I think this passage here in Colossians 2 is so key, because he says that you, you're not going to find it through philosophies that basically are just empty deceptions, according to the traditions of, I'm adding this in here, finite men according to the elementary principles of this world rather than on Christ. Then he flips it. This verse 9 is key. The reason why we begin with God is because, and Jesus particularly, is because in Jesus, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In other words, it's an, God is infinitely big and glorious. There is no, there's no, you're not going to get to the end of that. So we're never, our, if we begin with God to make meaning of the world and of our own lives, He's never going to look like Swiss cheese because you're never getting to the end of it. You're never getting to the end of him. And I think that's what's happening here because when you see when they move into verse 16 and moving forward, he gives he kind of defines what those his philosophies were. He gets examples of them, and they look very similar to today. They're a little different, but it's like legalism uh, with a bunch of rules and regulations in regard to food or drink or in respect to festivals or new moon or Sabbath days or things that are basically what he says are shadow of what's to come. They were worshiping the shadow of, of instead of the one who was casting the shadow. Yeah, versus but, the reality. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> which hang, is, on, which Zach, hang on, Zach. We're out of time. Let's. Uh, I want, but I want to continue that thought in our uh, overtime segment So, because that's a really good one that you brought up. So we'll pick it up on the other side uh, in overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.